Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your head up high. Don't be afraid. Just take it one step at a time. Don't give up on your dreams, no matter how small. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 1st, 2014. What is it? April Fool's Day, isn't it? Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Today we have a fun show. Today's show is called, Is AA Religious or Spiritual? Is it White or is it Snowflake? Part 2. Talking about court ordering, DUI court ordering, I think this will be very, very helpful to anybody who gets court ordered. Just know that uh, it's against your First Amendment rights, and go to expaa.org, and at the top there are tabs that will show you about uh, AA in the courts and legal, and you can go on to Smart Recovery, and they also have a legal page drop-down menu where you have all the court cases that fought this. So... Here's an interesting thing that the word spiritual, uh, you know, what it really means is really religion, and uh, we looked it up and really compare it. But A, it doesn't call itself a religion. It really wants to, you know, blend, and uh, I think that comes from him meeting up with uh, Otis Huxley and hanging around with those guys and trying to sort of make up this new thing that came in the 60s. I found it recently watching a video about this guy who just wrote a book about the connection with Bill Wilson and Otis Huxley and another guy who turned him on to LSD, which he took a lot of and was using it as some sort of therapy to cure alcoholism, uh, which was helping people. But then the hippies started using it as a drug to get high on, and they didn't want it to give AA a bad name, that the leader was dropping acid. (laughs) So... uh, it's a little complicated there. Today we have on Matthew Lecter. Matthew Lecter is a uh, epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. I'm going to get that out soon and correct. There we go. And he has created the Goodman approach. But he's here today to help me talk about how religious AA is. So I'm going to bring him on right now. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Monica. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You'll get it. 
It's epidemiologist, so you'll get it one day. So, <laughs> Does everybody have trouble with that word? <laughs> <laughs> when I tell people, most people uh, say, how do you spell that? <laughs> Epide- Can you say it one more time? Ep- epidemiologist. Okay. All right, we'll just leave An it at that. An epidemiologist is somebody that studies disease in large populations and specifically designs programs for large populations, sometimes the creation of programs for large populations is different than catering to individuals, which is what a practice health practitioner does. Mm. So it makes me kind of especially an, uh, an expert in being able to compare scientific approaches versus AA, which is the religious approach. I like some of that stuff that I saw you post recently on Facebook uh, about um, the Goodman approach, really... You have created a nonprofit already, have you? Right? Uh, we are filing it this month. Oh, good. Okay. Well, as soon as it's filed it up, I want to just let everybody, if you want to go onto Facebook and you can go, if you put in the good men, good man approach, uh, you'll find the Facebook page and go ahead, go there and like it. And um, I can't believe I'm saying this stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. And if you're interested in more, go there. Also, the 13 step to film. On Facebook, please go there and like it and share there. And then there's Leaving AA page. Of course, Monica Richardson, I have my own page as well. So I did a show already that is um, the first part of this. Did you get it? Did, were you able to listen to the first one or not? I just want to know where you're know where you at with it. Um, I believe I did not. I okay, I no, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's uh, Okay. Um, for the film, you know, I think I told you that we have pulled out all the God references, and it's pretty yeah. intense. So, so first they were taken out, the whole sentence was taken out, and that was done by Julie in Colorado. And then I had uh, the young lady that's working for me on the film shrink it down some more, and so now we don't even have the whole sentences, but we have like sort of that phrase that's captured and what we did is, well, she did this, and uh, which was make the words twice as big, bolded, than the rest of the stuff, right? So we, and, and then, to top it off, I did the musts. So the musts, well, they were done for me, right? But, I mean, so I think I got to chapter five, um, chapter four last time. So chapter five is pretty intense, as we know, right, how it works? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anybody, yeah. um, let me see, so here, Chapter 5, How It Works, and I know that you studied the books really thoroughly yourself, right, Matt? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I did listen, I re-listened to my show that I did, and I was like, man, you're like talking really fast here, Monica, so I'm going to slow it down just a bit for this episode and realize that if I need to do a Part 3, then that's what we'll do, right? Um, sure. So I'm just going to start out. So the first one has uh, – oh, this one doesn't have they, – they usually all have how many um, how many they have. And it's not on this one. Uh, they're counting, but it's okay. But there is one who has all power. So what we did is anything that was like one, because we know they're talking about God, um, him, or spiritual yeah. – creator anything okay but there is one who has all power that one is god may you find him now we asked his protection and care with complete abandon the point is we are willing to grow along spiritual lines well 
you don't have what if you're an an atheist well then um uh, actually according to bill wilson uh you shouldn't even be in the program if you actually read uh the last story on tradition 3 of the 12 and 12 there was a story about the original atheist uh who was in the program and he kept insisting that this is not an, it should not be a religious program. This is one of the originals. Mm. What ended up happening was he, he tells they tell the story in this tradition three about uh, how this was very vocal about the fact that we do not need God in this program in order to get sober. And there is a line there where it says, and finally one day the call came and he got in trouble and no one stirred. And what that meant was that everybody that was sitting around had made the decision not to help this person because he was an atheist. And as a result, the man got drunk. And the story ends very nicely where he suddenly found God and he wanted to pray with everybody in the end. But this is basically Bill Wilson's very clear instruction to not help atheists who refuse to believe in God. Mm. Um, I have a great story for you. So I've been going to meetings with uh, somebody who's doing investigative reporting and with my filmmaker assistant for research, and then I've been getting tips on there's some rapists at some meetings, and so I've got, I went to one meeting last week, and this last night I went to another meeting, which was an all-women's meeting. Oh, my God, Matthew. I mean, I think I Facebooked you what had happened, but I'm, I'm going to tell it in on the show today. So we went out, and I no longer, even if I'm going, you know, investigating or however I'm going, I'm no longer going to stand and say the Lord's Prayer because it's, to me it's ridiculously religious, and I don't care I'm a person of faith, but that's, you know, I'm not going to be forced. So literally, we we sat, we were sitting in the back, and it was about 100 people, 100 women in the meeting, and uh, we didn't get up. And the woman who gave me crap about me making the safety statement uh announcement turned and said oh what you're not gonna like really intimidating like really like she was tough and oh you're not going to join us you're not going to and i said no we're not we're not getting up to pray like this is not church and they you could see their faces that no one maybe has ever done that and it was yeah. really empowering it was like really great to be like do you realize how – and you, there, you know there's got to be, out of 100, there must be 10%, like 10 or 15 people who hate doing it, who don't feel comfortable doing it, who don't want to do it. And to see someone else – you know, I think it would be fun to go with about 10 people who would be, you know, like splattered around the room, you know, sitting in different places, not get up when they do it in a big meeting. And just kind of sit there really neutral and like – you know, we're not getting up. Like, this is a really religious thing you're doing. And, you know, all the DUI people who are court-ordered, do to do it in a court-ordered meeting where there are a lot of DUI uh, would be really cool for them to say. Well, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, yeah, a lot of the DUI people, unfortunately, are forced to join this religion and to uh, participate in it. Uh, there have been cases where people have refused to sign their slips, where um, – Sponsors have actually called their parole officers and said, tell them that they're not working steps the way that they like. Uh, wow. And sent back, you know, oh, you're kidding. Sent back to prison. Yeah. Where did you hear? Where, yeah. where are these stories? There is, uh, there, there, is, there is a halfway house that is in Louisville, Kentucky, that is very well connected with the courts in one of the counties in the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. This halfway house actually receives federal money. 
Oh. And uh, in order to establish, yeah, it's a it's a religious program, and it, not only are they sending police and 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 probation people to this uh, to this halfway house, oh. forcing them to attend AA meetings. But if you are not on step three by the second week, you are sent back to your parole officer. And if your parole officer doesn't like what you have to say as to the reason why, you should be uh, not complete. Why you're not you have not gotten on your knees and bring yourself to God, then you go to prison. What's the name of this place? It's called the Serenity House in uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana. Uh huh. And it's a, it's it actually it thrives on federal grants. It has quite a bit of money. It is a very impressive, very clean, brand new uh, place that holds forty two to forty five people. Will you send me that in an email? Okay, the email. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. Let's yeah. Send me that in an email. Um, all right. So let's. Go, well, we're going to go on. So we claim. Spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. A description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make three clear, three pertinent ideas. A, that, uh, that God could and would if he were sought, being convinced we read step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of getting entirely rid of self without his aid. Why would I want to get rid of myself? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I want to get rid of myself? We become selfless? You know, if you go into yes. a meeting, That's... they are the most self-obsessed. They are not a selfless group of people. At no, all. they are not. What I saw last night were a bunch of people, these old-time women, they only picked on the old-timers. They all talked about being cranky and being, you know, if they didn't get to their meetings, I was like, you guys all sound like you need mental health, you need massages, you need to get other hobbies, a balanced life, not more AA, and you don't need to lose lose yourself. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the, the basic idea of that uh, statement is, is extremely religious and is actually uh, the antithesis of most psychological programs that have been established in science which say that self-empowerment is what it really is what that's what's necessary in order to achieve sobriety or some kind of a, uh, success in dealing with a habitual behavior now bill wilson goes and goes in the exact opposite direction because he has this strange idea that if we suddenly became uh, these kind of you know uh this this uh one with the universe kind of serenity thing where we just give up all our desires and we sit on the mountaintop and we care about nothing and we'll never drink again it's a great theory unfortunately it doesn't work in the in the real world and nobody is willing to do it if you really mm-hmm. go to the extent that somebody is willing to go to you literally got to go become a, a christian or buddhist monk yeah i was going to say that i was going to say it sounds really like a monk and he must have been reading those type of books, you know, as he was writing this, because, you know, that is, you know, what it was reading Siddhartha, you know, uh, yeah. it was probably reading Siddhartha, and that's why then, you know, hooked up with uh, Otis Huxley yeah, and those I, guys. I, I, were, I also, he was also very closely engaged with uh, a circle that um, uh, he was, I think he, there was at least, I've been connecting, I've been able to connect him uh, to a second degree with somebody who was uh, within Edgar Casey's inner circle as well. Mm. Really? So, yeah. And, and it's fairly well established in, in the AA literature that he had stepping stones, which was a seance 
uh, cabin that he and Dr. Bob would bring their sponsees up to and, and try and, and do seances. He claimed that he wrote the 12 and 12 under the possession of a 14th century monk named Bonifaci. He claimed that he wrote the big book through automatic writing. Bill Wilson was very interested in There's no question about it. You know what, and I, I think that there's probably truth to that because, I mean, uh, when I, you know, went into AA and started, you know, getting myself immersed, all of the hippie people that were sober, not the normal people, you know, that had regular jobs, but the younger group was very much into this stuff. You know, we had to get psychic readings and, you know, this person, it was really big. And um, it's really what I think captured a lot of young people into believing that this wasn't a religion, and uh, but you know, it, it really—it's really upsetting to me. I think it's—it's it's just horrible. It's just like it's just well, bullshit. It, it, it is, and it's—it's it's a very juvenile definition, and the courts do not recognize it. I think every single court case that has ever been up against a has said, "No, you are a religion." Um, and the reason why they say they're not a religion is because they do not specifically name God. Now, that is a really lame-ass reason to not right. claim that you're not a religion. A religion actually is something that has dogma. It has principles and spiritual principles and tenets that are not necessarily bounded in science but are simply based on their belief that these innate principles have value into themselves. Things as, as for example, in AA, the idea of surrender, uh, acceptance, powerlessness, these things are things that AA teaches uncompromisingly. You cannot agree, disagree with these approaches. Now, you can call right. God whatever you want but you right. will not compromise and you will not discuss compromise in terms of this dogma. AA is clearly a religion because it dictates a specific dogma and does it very aggressively. Yeah, uh, uh, very, very good. Well said, very well said. So then we go on. First of all, we had to quit playing God. So we have to lose ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And then they're telling us that we've been playing God, right? What the fuck? Like, no, maybe right. many of us, I was not playing God. Were you playing God? I do not recall that, no. Right, I wasn't either. <laughs> I recall trying to kill myself, I think. Oh, God, yeah, no, it's, it's really crazy. It didn't work. Next, we decided the hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Now, this alone, I'm only reading the first half of the first like part of this that was pulled out of yeah. Chapter 5. This is enough for anybody to go to a lawyer. And, and if you're listening and you've been coerced, yeah. you're a pilot, you're a doctor, uh, you're a nurse, anybody at all, you're a regular citizen, uh, you want some of these pages to bring to your attorney and say, uh, you know what, this is a religion and you can't send me here. I want to go to SMART. I want to go to SOS. I want to go to Women for Sobriety. I'm just naming the things that are approved by Los Angeles County Court and moderation management is included, which means you can drink. Okay. And by the way, it's probably the most successful of, of any program, that and harm reduction, I would say, among those. Um, do not knock the idea of uh, moderation. Uh, it has been proven that moderation management actually has longer successful, um, less, smaller relapses, and, and actually uh, more people are successful in moderation management than they are in AA or any abstinence-based program. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really, it's one of the things that, as I get introduced to, to judges, and I've been introduced, you know, talking to one, and I'm going to go up and visit them with many books and with the literature of these 
you know, four programs that are, you know, programs that exist that are free, that um, the goal is to talk to all of them and say, look, if we really want to stop recidivism, we want to stop, you know, people driving down the wrong side of the freeway and killing six people like someone did here recently, and she had her, this is her third ticket, and I'm going to research it to see if she was court-ordered to AA the first two times. Because if she was, and we know, how, when people talk about Audrey Cushline with moderation, I'm like, you know what, guys? If I could get a list of everybody who was court-ordered to AA who then killed somebody in a drunk driving, I would, we, in AA we would have like 50,000 people or maybe more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't yeah. have the, the sources, the refund, the resources to ha- hire someone to do that. And find that number, but that is a number that we actually could find. And then they could all shut up about saying, oh, well, look what happened with Audrey. Like the next time I see somebody on TV, whether it's Dr. Drew or they put these four people up, and then as soon as somebody talks moderation management, they need somebody like you and I on the show to shut them up and say exactly what I just said because – that's something that's just happened here. That's just terrible. Okay, so I'm going to go on. So we just found out. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting just as a caveat that they blame. Um, uh, they say that the, the the founder of Moderation Management ended up getting in a truck driving accident and killing somebody, and therefore uh, Moderation Management doesn't work. Well, if I apply that same logic, uh, Bill Wilson was screaming uh, with for a you know a bottle of liquor on his deathbed and stopped going to meetings the last five years of his life. So therefore, AA doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you need to compare it to someone who's killed people, too. And what I just said is, I mean, it's a good point, but with, well, with what just, she did, right? If we compared yeah. people that were in AA, that were sent to, that and, were, were going to AA, and then went yeah. out and, and got drunk and killed people, the number is going to be really big. And maybe it's something we could, once I get funded. Well, there, there um, horror stories, but I remember, I recall, I, I don't know if I told you this on the air yet, there was a time when I had first started into AA. It was about, um, it was in the year 2000, and there was a, it was at the Oak Street Clubhouse in Cincinnati. Probably, I think it's one of the oldest AA clubhouses in the world. Um, and um, there was a gentleman there who had 12 years, had uh, bought this girl, and uh, who um, uh, had three months, and. Um, decided, well, she had come in and she had three months at this point. He decides to become her boyfriend. Uh, they start dating for a while and she decides she doesn't want to see him anymore. Well, he gets enraged, gets extremely angry, kidnaps her for four days, brutally beats her and rapes her in his basement, and he gets sentenced to 15 years in prison when they finally find her. Um, the irony wow. of this is that this is supposedly a sober, responsible AA member who was well-respected in the community so well-respected that his sponsor testified in his defense, which is an uh, absolutely reprehensible thing because they all knew he did it. Wow. So, Where's that in the news story? Karen, How long ago, we have to find that one. When did that happen? You know, I've, been, I've been trying. That was in 2000. I've been trying to find that one. I did call the clubhouse recently, and actually his sponsor, as of 2004, has not yet been heard from. You know, I don't know if they were printing the stories. I mean, certainly the story, I have somebody in Ohio. If you go on to um, uh, Darlene or Anne-Marie, we could uh, see if she could find out because uh, she's in that part of the country. But stories were not being told. Reporters were not putting Alcoholics Anonymous in the body 
of the um, the news stories and in the headlines until the blogs. Real, quite honestly, I, I will tell you, the, Monica, I, I will never forget that woman's face when they found her. Wow. Because she came back to the clubhouse, and half her face was black oh my and God. about an inch out from her skull. And you just knew that this woman had gone through four days of torture. Mm. We need to find I her. I remember seeing that, and I oh will never forget it. God. Wow. Well, well see, they're, they're so godly, these people. You know, they do these kind of things. Yeah. That's really they're sick. It's really sick. I mean, when I came God, back yeah. from this clubhouse out in Covina, I called an old-timer. And she told me that the women had been getting raped in the parking lot there for 40 years. My God. That's why I went out there. And I gave out a little pamphlet and uh, to a couple of people. Just to, I made an announcement. But you'd think that I was like had three heads. They told me, it's an outside issue. I said, it's not an outside issue. We have a trustee from New York, New York you know, General Service trustee, stand up at an event and say women are getting raped by AA men at an alarming rate and something needs to be done. Well, she needs to call the FBI. If you know, it dawned on me when I was talking to my assistant. I said, you know what? Well, she knows. <clears throat> excuse me. She knows what's going on. At an alarming rate, yeah. we have. If I was, a, you know, the head of, uh, you know, the Rotary Club, and I said, you know, we're having women in the Rotary Club getting raped by Rotary men. What do we do? Yes, every other organization on the planet would shut it down and make sure it didn't happen again. Right. Alcoholics Anonymous is the only organization that is actually encourages and, and entices these people because they're so terrified of losing membership mm-hmm. uh, and they do not give any credit to the value of women in their society. That, um, it, it really is uh, it's a despicable thing what they have done. And, and, and it's really interesting because when you get further into the book, particularly in Chapter 6, when Bill Wilson starts talking about the amends process, mm-hmm. he will tell you, you have to do this amend, you have to do this amend, you have to do this amend. The only amend he says that you do not have to do is specifically you do not have to tell your wife that you were cheating on her <laughs> if she didn't know. <laughs> so the one thing that was culpable of right, is the one sin that he actually did not have to make amends for. This is written in the book. And so now you have a society of people, because of Bill Wilson and his behavior, the Founders Watch Committee, and these people having to pull Bill off of all the newcomer women that he was trying to seduce. Um, you know, you have a society that simply followed through the rules and he read his book and said, hey, um, it's okay to do this. Our founder did this. Our holy founder uh, slept with numerous women, so why can't we prey on women? It's God's will. Yeah, you know, when I was 13 steps and I um, was dealing with it, people told me that I should go read page 69 in the big book, and I was like 19. Wow. And they were like middle-aged. They were like late 20s, and then the rest of the men were all in their late 30s, early you 40s. Know, I, yeah, I, I, I want to say something about that. Let me, let me just, I, yeah, I really ahead. do want to say something. If you are listening to this program and you are a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and you have been raped, you have been harassed, uh, you have had some kind of sexual harassment against you by AA members or in your past, family member, by somebody, by a boyfriend, if you were date raped, if something happened to you, and when you had to do your inventory, you were told that you had to find your part 
because that is what the instructions in the big book are, and that's actually what Alcoholics Anonymous members do, is they force rape victims to admit responsibility for a part of the rape. If you are one of these people, I want to say to you that it was totally, 100%, not your fault. And these people have lied to you, and you need to leave immediately and find a real therapist and get real help. This is right. why AA is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, when I was still in AA, when someone would come in and say what had happened to them, I would raise my hand and say that you never had a part in it as childhood. You know, if they had abused, been abused as children, um, that. But I was the same voice. I would be like, my hand would go up. I'd get called on. I would say, you know, this program was designed by two middle-aged men to deal with alcohol and drinking, and that's it. It was never meant or designed to deal with any kind of childhood abuse whatsoever. And there would be mm-hmm. this period silence, and there were all sane women in my group back then that would that agreed with that. But I have heard when I left AA, and, her, and I heard. A few people say, like, you know, it was their part as I was leaving when they got 13 steps. But the stuff that I heard that is being said around the country in foxhole groups and, you know, these more cultish yeah, groups. Yeah, foxhole is the worst, yeah. Very, very, very bad. Foxhole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you for saying that. And, and please know that if anyone wants to contact me, they can do it at makeaasafer at gmail.com. Uh, and leave me a confidential email, or if you'd like to speak to me, or you'd like to be interviewed for the film, or if you'd like to talk about or get just get help, uh, you can go to a rape and crisis center. You don't have to go to the police. You can go directly to rape and crisis. And like uh, Matt was just saying, uh, seek out professional counseling. But I want to warn you, make sure they are not a stepper themselves, because they are yeah. all over now. They have become therapists. They have become social workers. They have become psychologists. And many psychiatrists are even brainwashed into not mm-hmm. what was your fault, but that, that AA is something. They don't know what it is. And here's the other thing, and this is a tangent, and then we'll get back to this, um, reading this stuff. That um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought about people. We're talking about... Um, I can't believe it. I was just thinking about something else that had to do with what you were saying. I can't. I can't keep everything in my head. There's so much in here for this film. Um, let's go back to this now. All right, here we go. Sure. Um, so we just found out that he is the father, and we are his children now. So now we've made. You know, we're shrunk down to like non-adults. And as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, and we discovered we could face life successfully as we became conscious, conscious of his presence and we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter, we were reborn. Woohoo! God. <laughs> now here they come with the prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage, again, of self. Okay, i got to lose that bondage mm-hmm. of self that I may better do thy will take away my difficulties, that victory over them may be a witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life, and in the name of the cross, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> get out the, like the candles and the incense and, you know, uh, yeah. the big long robe, may I do thy will always, uh, uh, the third step prayer, if you don't know it, if you're listening, there are two huge prayers in the first 164 pages that are very much like this, and, uh, 
we can go on. We thought well yeah. before taking this step, making sure that we were ready, that we could at least abandon ourselves utterly to him. This guy is so extreme, and, Matthew. It, it, he, he is extreme, and this is really the reason why AA is not so much, it goes beyond the pale of just a religion, but enters this dangerous realm of being a cult. Because the demand that it is making is down small enough to where you are insignificant without the power of the group around you. This is the definition of a cult. And this is exactly what Bill Wilson is doing with this prayer. He is beginning the indoctrination process. Uh, it's really, you broke up when you first started to explain. Um, can you say oh, it again? You brought your first two sentences. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. So, so this is the this is really the definition of a cult. This is what happens um, when when we go beyond religion. That we have we have extreme religion here, where we have we have extreme humility, we have extreme right. acceptance, we have ex- right, um, and 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 the idea that um, the beginning of the indoctrination process that Bill Wilson is placing onto his members, where he is saying, you have no significance. You mm-hmm. as an individual have no power. You need to make yourself as small as possible. And mm-hmm. you, therefore, you need to either depend on the group around you or the God above. But you alone cannot change anything. You should not have any desires. And you should have no <laughs> uh, personal identity. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it is crazy. And I mean, but this, the, isn't the saddest thing is that, and I don't know if you were this bad, but I was, that I actually sat in meetings in book studies. Now, not for many years. I, you know, it's been a really long time where I read the stuff and tried to, you know, wrap my head around it and make sense of it. And I did have about half of it go out the window like 22 years ago when I got into serious, really good therapy. There was a lot of this yeah. stuff, and we're coming up to this. But did, were you at ever a point in the program where you were you drinking a lot of the Kool Aid? Um, I was, and it miserably failed, actually. Um, so it, it, there's there's two types of AA, essentially. You know, you have the you have the, the, the meaning makers, and then you have the big book thumb. And I've been both. Uh, everybody who comes in originally is a meaning maker. They do meetings, 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 put the plug in the jug. And all these things that you learn simply relying on me, and then you do the steps in a very slow fashion as if it's this therapeutic thing you're supposed to do, and eventually you'll become one with God like everybody who's so knowledgeable. Um, That failed miserably for me for about the first eight years. Um, After that, I then went into a big book something mode, and I started breaking people over the head with big book, and I was just so angry (laughs) that my anger literally <laughs> kept me sober for three years straight. <laughs> wow. Finally, when I came through and the smoke was all cleared, I looked, looked at the wreckage of everybody who was AA who hated me because I was telling them they were doing it wrong because they had abandoned the original me- message. And I actually yeah. had a very small group of friends who did support this idea of this radical AA, which is even worse than AA itself. Right. I finally had to drop the thing. Said, yeah, that's, there is a group going on right now with young people that are, but they're yeah. calling themselves recovered, which is good. But right. they're trying to, um, you know, see, I think see more well, into it than it others. You know, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. the term recovered actually is correct. The um, the the book actually says, and the title of the book is is under the the heading, 
Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how thousands of men and women have recovered from right. alcoholism. Right. So Bill Wilson really did believe that with this God conversion through the 12 steps, which was meant to be done like four to five days, yeah, that right. you suddenly would have this conversion experience and alcoholism right. would leave you forever. And that's what they believed back then. Unfortunately, half of the people that wrote their stories for the first edition ended up relapsing. So they suddenly yeah, had to I, move the term over to recovery because it wasn't working. Right, right. Now, I remembered what I wanted to say when I had that brain, that brain fart, whatever I had earlier on, before I continue reading. So the young lady who's working with me on the film, because I've been taking her to some meetings, said, wow, and, and then she's watching all these films uh, so that, that are going to be, like, we're going to pull little snippets out. So whether it's, you know, Finding Nemo and Wreck-It Ralph, The Days of Wine and Roses, Sarah T., my name is a teenage alcoholic, and she's shocked. Like, this, you know, she's just like, Monica, like, they don't depict, and a meeting is not depicted, right, in our media. And no, if there's something that is so, that I want so badly, Matthew, is if I don't do a recreation, like, and that, when you do um, that kind of reenactment, they're, they're pretty expensive uh, compared to just what I'm doing right now. It just amazed me that, that there has been such a media blackout that in 75 years nobody has ever even taken a camera into a meeting. How is that yeah. possible? Well, that, that's happened. I know it's happened at least once. Uh, but I, I think that some people are trying to do that in the very legit way, you know, to kind of show people what really goes on. But I would really, with all of my years... And now going back as someone who is going back only to find people who have been harmed, who need to speak up and to empower people, and to find those people internally that are just enmeshed in it, that I'm seeing yeah. a side of AA that if I have to just make a short, I, what really needs to be made is a fictional film or a TV show, but, uh, or you know, one good episode of a really good A-list show, that you, but they need somebody like me that really knows it, that you can show this woman like what she did to me last night and turn around and she goes, that's an outside issue. And I say, no, it's not. Yeah. And she goes, yes, it is. And then, then when, we don't, when we refuse to stand, like to really show the praying at the beginning, at the praying at the end, and what if you don't comply? And what if you go to a closed meeting and you don't know it's closed and you refuse to say you're an alcoholic yet because you've just been court-ordered there and you're not and you don't believe you're one and how they bully you? Yes. Yeah. It's not yeah. like Moms, like Chuck Lorre's show, is such a fucking bullshit show. It is unbelievable bullshit. It is just one big advertisement for Alcoholics Anonymous and dressed up with really good writing and really good set dressing and really great acting. The actors are wonderful. And uh, Alice and Janie's fabulous and the lovely lady who you know, plays the lead. But the, the, the message is, it is just like... Let's take the early 80s in a nice little lovely big book study in North Hollywood. When I came here, okay, that would be depicting what AA would be like. It's not like that anymore. There isn't a guy sitting there in a, in a vest driving his Cadillac to the meeting who, you know, it's so changed since drug court. Well, it's, and, and that is, it's, it's not only drug court, but it's also because insurance has stopped paying for it because it's not effective. Right. And Obamacare, which has put this clause into Obamacare that requires that all substance abuse is evidence-based, 
allows insurance now to refuse people uh, uh, to be able to have to go to rehabs or anything that, that has a 12-step indoctrination. Mm-hmm. So they're flat out refusing it. And actually, um, you know, as part of my, uh, my own personal uh, career, uh, I'm responsible for following that kind of data. And I will tell you that um, 63% of all denials this year have been based on the reason that it is not evidence so they're really oh, that's very good that's, yeah we need to uh, off yeah. the phone here and on that on the show give me the name of the people with the lawyers at that uh, insurance health insurance company so I can contact them oh yeah yeah that's that's very easy sure yeah it's mm-hmm. really important okay wow good stuff really good stuff Matthew uh, so we're going to move along here this is the part that I really saw was a very, very sick part of AA when I got into therapy in 1990, like 91 and 92, I guess. All right, so here we go. Um, right after we have to, we are told that we have to abandon ourselves utterly to him. And then it says here, we found it very desirable to take the spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, as friend, or spiritual advisor. But it is better to meet God alone with one who might understand Oh, but but it's I'm sorry, but it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. Resentment. Probably the most oh, here, here. misunderstood phrase in the book. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> you want to you expound or should I go on? Supposed to do it with your sponsor. Everybody does their step, with their third step, with their sponsor. But mm-hmm. that line in the book specifically says, "Do it alone." Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah it's, 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 another, it's interesting. It shows about you know the inconsistency, and one of the major problems with AA is inconsistency of message. What I actually read in the literature versus what they actually practice are two completely different things. Right. And I can ask ten different people how to get sober in this, in this, in this program, and they will tell you ten different answers. Well, how do you possibly have a program that's effective when there is no consistent message whatsoever? Mm-hmm. It's impossible. That's why right. there is no efficacy. Forget the religious part. You know, it's well, not consistent yeah, it's, it's, message to begin with. Uh, you know, the the. I mean, I now I've taken. Well, let's see. The person I've taken is doing the research. How many meetings? But um, three, I think. And <clears throat> it's like there's no controls. You know, she said it's like I could take her to one. That you know, where the the guy is, you know, mentally ill, and the woman is mentally in the back throwing cake in each other's face, like happened last week, and then to this women's meeting where only the you know the old timers get chosen and picked, and no one ever gets called on, and I'm going to be threatened by the woman if I don't stand up and say the Lord's prayer with them, to a meeting at Century City where people are in suits and dress nice and they look kind of they look normal, right? But if there's yeah. no you don't it's really hit and miss. But here's what I think is one of the serious, really, really horrible things about AA. Resentment destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From its stem, all Uh, forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. Okay, so now they've been mentally and physically ill, but Mm -hmm. no one's gone to a doctor yet, right? They're all, and in fact, when I joined AA in the early 70s, everybody made fun of seeing therapists. That was like, oh, yeah, right, we did that, that didn't work. But as we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady mm-hmm. <laughs> is overcome, right. we straighten out mentally and physically. 
Wait, whoa, well, here's, did you just... Here's, Go can ahead. you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Here, here's the punchline. Here is the funniest part of that whole thing. Bill Wilson, the entirety of AA, everybody believes that resentment is the number one offender, that line that you just read right there, that if right. you were too angry, then you will relapse. Right. So by the admission of AA, the program of AA works by reducing resentment. That is what they're claiming. Now, there was a study done in 2011. It's published in the Journal of Addiction Studies, and it's done by Miller. And this uh, study revealed that upon inspection of a two-year study of alcoholics that were in AA, the uh, people who went through Alcoholics Anonymous, they found had absolutely no reduction in anger over two years. The program in its own right is a failure based on its own metrics. Yeah, I read that. I thought that was, I mean, I know that from going and watching and observing that that's so true. Um, but Isn't I think, it? I mean, it's uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, mean, it's, it's it creates. Studies that based on its own stuff, you know, how it measures itself as a successful program is that it reduces resentment to save you from relapse. And the scientific study shows it does not do that at all. So I even forgot, based I forgot on about the chat room. it's a failure. I forgot about the yeah. chat room. I'm sorry. I'm so in t- talking to you today. My computer is being charged on the other side over here, and I'm just looking at these words and talking and listening to you, which is all good. <laughs> all right. So here we go. We're talking. We went to here it's about the malady. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, for when harboring such feelings. Oh, my God. We used to, like, repeat this shit over and over. Yeah. In my 20s, we were, like, such little parrot fools. For when harboring yeah. such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. We asked, and then it, I'm not, it, it's not, I, I don't have everything in here. We just pulled everything that has God. So, you know, it won't go on to say the rest of the stuff it said. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Now, that is used a lot for victims. Like they are told that they should treat a father who molested them, an uncle who molested yes. them, somebody who raped them, a guy who 13-stepped them, that we are supposed to be tolerant and, you know, like he's yes. a sick guy, so he should be able and, to get away it, with it. Yes, and that's absolutely right. And, and, and the problem is that in, in those situations, it is healthy to be angry. And they deny the victim that ability to be angry and to try and take control of their own life through that anger. They tell them it is your fault for being angry. You should not be angry at these people. Right. This is just absolute sick. But I you know, can't it's really emphasize how psychologically damaging that is. It's really damaging, and you know, I have to say that I really see it seeping into our culture because when we had the shooting that happened in Denver, there was a reporter. Yes. It was. It happened at night, right? It happened like at midnight, and it was not even noon the next morning, and this fucking CNN reporter was talking about, like, how we could get past, like, what's the word that's used over and over that's way overused about, you know, closure. I'm like, you fucking idiot. It just happened. (laughs) They just went in and did one of the most horrible things. The most scariest thing for me would be sitting trapped in a theater where someone would come in and do this. They're still traumatized. They're going to be traumatized for weeks, if not months. 
and then they're going to get angry, and then they're going to get sad. And then there's a process, even in death, when you lose somebody. You're not, there's not supposed to be closure the next day when dad dies. Yeah. You know, but it's this bullshit kind of AA has permeated our culture and our television and our, you know, even people who aren't even members. I mean, I don't know if you heard me, but I got into this huge fight. Well, it wasn't a huge fight, but it was an argument with people at my nail place a couple of weeks ago. She's a federal prosecuting attorney. She's not an AA, and she's going to, like, defend it like it's her bitch lover, you know? And I'm like, yeah. who are you, woman? Why do you care so much? Well, my niece was a heroin addict, and oh, it helped her so much. And I'm like, so? That's one meeting. That's one person. It, you know, it didn't it's help like, her. It, it didn't. Uh, not, nobody is helped by AA. Zero percent. Your Lance, though, the Lance is attributed to the five, ten percent rate, and, and he actually implied uh, through that that spontaneous remission is somewhere around 25 percent. I agree with Lance on that, and that actually shows a negative recovery rate for AA compared to spontaneous remission. Mm. People are just as easily getting sober on their sofa watching cartoons as they are sitting in a church basement talking about God. There is no difference. And to think that there is, it just happens to be that they got sober in an AA meeting and so they still hang out there. They confuse the correlation of them getting spontaneously sober with, the, uh, with them hearing this message over and over again that being in that meeting is what actually got them there. And that's not the case. The fact that they walked into the meeting is what got them there because they made the decision to get sober themselves and they weren't right, going to drink anymore. Right. They're ready. And I, I think it's yeah. so true that for the many people where they think it works is that they had already made a decision that they were done and they were ready to stop. And then they go. And yeah. that's the way AA used to be when the you know, percentages were higher in the 70s when people were like, oh, my God, I'm done. But there was a lot of Hollywood promotion with movies coming out then that did – that kind of push, and Marty Mann with yeah. the National Council on Alcoholism had posters everywhere and trying to say, look, everybody's an alcoholic. We all look like this. We're, you know, the garden variety drunk, and here's the lady who's the teacher. And all those kind of people started to, you know, go to AA. And, of course, AA had been planting seeds by sending speakers to grade schools in the 60s. So, you know, I mean, give me a break. Did we, did we have a chance? <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't think no. so. All right, so here we go. We're going to talk about, we asked, we, we talked about that, about the pity and patience. This is a sick man, we said. How can I be helpful to him now? You know, after this fucker either rapes you, molests you, 13 steps yeah. you, or your father did, now you're supposed to say, oh, he was a sick guy, how can I be helpful to him? It's like they are such, oh, my God. God save me from being angry, it says next. Thy will be done. Oh, my God, it's so religious. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality is a way of weakness. Um, the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All of men of faith have courage. Well, I have no problem with faith. Faith is a good thing. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us. Okay, now we're like going to have, I guess, like uh, Bill had this experience where you know, somebody worked through him, and that's how he wrote the book, right? And what, what he yeah. can do, I'm just going to read off this last bit really fast. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. Um, now, this part I really hate. I think this is so damaging to people at any level of sobriety, but especially once you're like really got your shit together and you're really uh, – and I started to hear this in meetings and think, 
you know, like this is like really kind of fucked up. So people with five, once you get past the five years and, you know, eight or mm-hmm. ten years and 13, you're still sitting there. What would God want me to be? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, what do I want to be? Like, it is that really that thing that people have like, whether it's socialism or communism or, you know, I, I don't matter. I don't exist. My being, oh, we're all the same. You know, oh, yeah, you're special. Oh, you know, that kind of taking away me, that I'm unique, that Matthew's unique, that Kevin, that everybody I know, there is nobody like anyone. And when one of us dies or somebody disappears, there is never replacing another human being. But to sit here and say that I have to ask him, God, what, sh- what would you have me do? What the fuck is that? It's not good. It, it is not good, and I, I totally agree with you, and, and probably one of the most cultish aspects of AA is the fact that you will find someone sitting in a, a room for 25 years who has been in a meeting and has failed to get a college degree because they believe that God is going to drop it on their head or it's not meant to be at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you and find these people that aren't achieving. They're not succeeding in their lives, and they don't feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And it's yet another reason why you have a negative effect of after a few years, people get terribly depressed. It right. has horrible suicide rates. Right. It has horrible, uh, I think the divorce rate in AA is, is like 90%. I mean, it's huge. And it's all because of, A, you're, you're being connected to this collective hive, which you can't escape from. But in addition to that, that these people over time, just they become miserable. I have yet to see somebody who has 20 years sobriety and is truly, truly happy in AA. They put on a face that they're happy. But if you ask them questions about their life and everything, there's always this nagging, this, there's this nagging presence inside them where they just wish that they, 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 they just want to be free. And, and you just can see if you start questioning the tenants, they get so frustrated so mm-hmm. easily. Um, that you just know that there is, they just want to not have to believe this stuff anymore, and they're just absolutely trapped. It is yeah, the true essence of learned helplessness. Yeah, I do. I do think that that is the uh, there is a, that, those years that you can really see it um, if you attend a meeting like I did with long-term um, people in recovery or you know sober in AA who never, like, sort of went through a thing and they went and dealt with their childhood abuse, found a really good therapist, and they really did great rage work. And they, they left sort of, you really have to leave AA at a certain point when you do that work because it just collides, you know. I mean, for 10 years, yeah. the years that I did yeah. all that great therapeutic work, I went to very few real outside mixed meetings where things were read. So, uh, but I'm going to finish this up because it's really nuts how it ends here. This is the end of Chapter 5. Um, Attention what he would have us be. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. I mean faith. I mean faith is faith. Faith doesn't do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Faith is having faith (laughs) that you believe that if I take this action, that I will have an outcome, like that I will finish this film. You know, I have faith that I will raise the money. Or you have faith that you're going to, you know what I mean? But I have to do all the action, right? Okay, we hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. Not that God can remove uh, a problem, but he's now going to remove that you have some self-will. Right. He's not, gonna, he's not necessarily going to remove your homelessness or the fact right. that you've been beaten by your husband. But he's right. going to remove your self-will. Congratulations. Yeah. Right. Your self-will, above <laughs> everything, 
we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It looks like we'll have to have another show. We have four minutes left um, to this show, but Chapter 6 is, uh, you know, we obviously don't have time to do it all. Is what's that? Chapter six is even better. Chapter six, we have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover obstacles in our path. This requires action on our part, which, when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, here again it's more brainwashing that it's not religious, we may still yeah, do well... Yeah, but you have to go to your religious authority. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, this is really, I can't believe when, when you pull it out like this what it looks like. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk to with someone ordained by a religious established, established religion. Um, we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the Spirit of the universe. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know Him better, and we now are ready to let God remove from us all the things which have admitted are objectionable. Can He now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us to be willing. As we look over the list of the business acquaintance and friends we have heard, we may feel different about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be assured, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God. Our real purpose, okay, wow, is to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. I mean, I'm going to stop there because of time, but I mean, that paragraph alone again that little paragraph is just like so full of chalk bullshit yes it's hard and, uh, it's, a, it's really amazing no no the religious fervor that is within that book it's yeah. it's amazing that how they even try and sell it it was well, not religious why is it not religious well because we don't have a name for god that's why that is yeah. the only reason why they claim it's not religious uh, the Supreme Court, as you not the Supreme Court, but every appellate court and every court in the nation that has reviewed this has determined that Alcoholics Anonymous is, in fact, religious. And anyone who is an expert in the field of any kind of psychological or epidemiological program will tell you that AA is, in fact, religious. I want to thank you for helping me out today, Matthew. This is Matthew Lecter. Go um, on to see the Goodman approach, which he is creating. On Facebook, I want to ask everybody, if anybody needs any help with this, if they've been court-ordered, please you know, contact me on Facebook, Monica Richardson, or through the show here. And remember, go if you can, go to the 13 Step to Film, like it, uh, tweet it. Uh, if you can donate, you can get a, uh, a tax write-off for, through the IDA. You can find that on the page, the 13 Step to Film. Thank you so much, Matthew. It was fun. I, I think I'm going to ask you to do the next Thank one. You. We'll just <laughs> yeah, let's do it again. Sounds great. <laughs> we'll keep doing it until I'm done. I have a few more chapters. I want to thank everybody. This is Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. I'm Monica Richardson. You can download it for free here on iTunes and listen and share everywhere. And just remember that you're not alone if you're just leaving AA or trying to leave AA. There are tons of blogs uh, out there 
leavingaa.com. There's ones all over. What are some? I have like a few seconds left. What are, what's a couple on Facebook, Matthew? I'm partial uh, of Steve Slate. Uh, the Clean Slate is, is, is the one I'm partial to. Okay, the Clean Slate uh, is a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then uh, uh, More Revealed. More Revealed. Okay, everybody, uh, good afternoon, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again, Matthew Lecter, for being with me. I'm Monica Richardson, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.